Hi, this is Sarah Douglas, and I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. I want to thank you so much for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond for the final episode of 2013. And next week, we'll be going into our 2014 season. And uh, we just got uh, so many guests coming your way, and I hope you're going to enjoy every single one of them. And this is episode 295 of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week our guest comes from the movie Superman 1 and Superman 2. She was one of the villains. She is Sarah Douglas. Sarah's going to be joining us, and uh, she's coming up right here very shortly on On Screen and Beyond, so stick around for that. And it is that time of the month when we look at what's coming your way uh, in the coming month. For January, we'll see what's coming out in theaters and on DVD. So let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness. Movies coming your way in theaters that are remakes in January. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Movies coming to theaters in January. It looks like The Legend of Hercules smashes its way into theaters on January 10th in a retelling of the classic adventures of the Son of Zeus. And a retelling of the Frankenstein story comes our way on January 24th in I, Frankenstein. And it's starring Aaron Eckhart. That is it for remakes. Not too many coming our way in January. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming our way as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies coming our way in theaters in January. Look for Kevin Hart and Ice Cube to star in Ride Along. As a guy tries to prove to a cop he is worthy of marrying the cop's sister. January 17th also will bring us Devil's Due as a pregnant woman goes about very dark changes. And Will Arnett, Catherine Heigl, and Brandon Fraser will lend their voice talents to an animated film called The Nut Job on January 17th. A lot of stuff coming out on January 17th. And on January 24th, you can look for Arnold Schwarzenegger. He stars in 10 as members of an elite force who rob a drug cartel safe house start to be taken out one by one. And on January 31st, Labor Day arrives in theaters and is starring Tobey Maguire, Josh Brolin, and Kate Winslet. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming away as far as sequels in theaters in January? We've got it next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Sequel City, well, on January 3rd. In theaters, paranormal activity, the marked ones, will hit theaters in another sequel of that series. And Chris Pine stars in Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit on January 17th. And this time, he's framed in a terrorist plot. That's it for sequels. Not a whole lot coming your way in January, but that's not unusual at this time of year. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD in January? Okay, TV on DVD coming your way in January on January 7th. It looks like Archer Season 4 will be coming your way. Duck Dynasty Season 4. The following Season 1... House of Lies, Season 2, Barney Miller, Season 4, Being Human, Season 3, Copper, Season 2, Star Trek Enterprise on Blu-ray, Season 3, January 14th, Hazel, Season 5, The Americans, Season 1, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis, Season 2. And, of course, if you go to onscreenbeyond.com in our rerun section, you can get uh, Dobie Gillis himself. We talked with him. It's right here on onscreenandbeyond.com, so check it out. And Total Spy Season 3 will be coming your way on January 14th also. January 21st, Bewitched Season 1 and Season 2. Cosby Show Season 1 and Season 2. Good Times Season 1 and Season 2. And NYPD Blue Season 5. January 28th, The Agatha Christie Hour, The Complete Collection. Downton Abbey Season 4 and Trem Season 4. That's it for TV on DVD coming your way in January. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD in January? We're going to tell you next. Movies on DVD coming your way in January. On January 7th, Runner Runner with Ben Affleck will be coming your way. January 14th, it looks like Carrie with Chloe Grace Mortez. And Enough Said with Julia Louis-Dreyfus and also... Look for Lee Daniels, the butler, and Riddick to come your way. On January 21st, Blue Jasmine, Captain Phillips, Instructions Not Included, and Machete Kills. On January 28th, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, and Rush will be coming your way also. That is it for Movies on DVD coming your way in January. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we have our interview with Sarah Douglas, from the Superman 1 and 2 movies and so much more. She's going to talk about all of that and more. It's next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, my guest is an actress who many people know for her roles in Superman 1 and Superman 2, but she's done so much more. It's Sarah Douglas. Sarah, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hello, and thank you so much for inviting me to be on. I'm delighted to talk with you today. Sarah, it's so nice for you to be here. I just want to talk about how you became an actress and uh, your career and what you've been doing. What made you decide to become an actress? Well... Firstly, I think it has a lot to do with it. I was born and raised in Stratford-upon-Avon. And for those of you that don't know, William Shakespeare was born there. So I was 
heavily steeped in Shakespeare, um, uh, in the shadows of the Royal Shakespeare Theatre. My mother was uh, a physiotherapist, and she treated all of the actors. So from a very, very, very early age, I was exposed to theatre and actors and, and drama and the rest of it. And we don't, we've talked about it a lot in the family. We don't actually know when I made that choice, but I was always going to be an actress. And by the time I was 13 or 14, I was driving my family mad because I wanted to be an actress. And we had a wonderful um, company in England that's still going called the National Youth Theatre. And it was a very, very, very prestigious uh, organization. And they took young people, um, a group of them every year, and we would, there would be a West End show. Um, it was, uh, at the time, it was supported by one of our national newspapers. So it was a big deal. And they auditioned, I've got a feeling, I, I want to say 600 and something girls. I can't quite remember that such a long time ago, but they only took about 13 or 14 girls. And my mother said, if you can get into the National Youth Theatre, we will support you. And at 13, I got into the National Youth Theatre, and wow. by the time I was 13 and a half, I, they would give me time off in the summer holidays so that I had the holidays and extra. And I would go to London, and before you knew it, I was uh, traveling all over Europe with the Youth Theatre and learning an awful lot at a very young age. Very young age. I don't think we'd do it nowadays. I don't think a parent would let their kid go off at 13 and 14 and 15. Years. Yeah, and we were, you know, we were a bunch of kids with a, well, obviously with a, with a director and with a producer, but we were a bunch of young people from the age of 13 to 21. So I was the youngest, you know, and then there were the 21-year-olds, and boy, they, they taught us a lot. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> all right, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, now, do you remember what your first paid acting role was? Absolutely. It was a movie. It was called the, well, it's not called the final program in this country. I wish I could remember the name of it because I should know it. It was called the final Pro program. It was a film. It was a, from a, a Michael Moorcock science fiction film from a book. Um, and it starred a guy called John Finch. And I was but 20. I'd been at drama school. I did everything the right way. I did, you know, I did the National Youth Theatre. I did drama school. I was well prepared for a career as an actress. <laughs> But my first role was in the final program, and I got to die in the arms of the most gorgeous man I'd ever seen. So, yeah, and it was my first science fiction film. I didn't know I was going to go down the science fiction fantasy path. Um, it just so happened that my very, very first movie was that. And my very first television job was shortly, uh, well, it wasn't. It was within three days of finishing the film. I was doing a film with um, Dame Edith Evans, who was one of our f uh, finest English actresses, terrifying old lady. And um, I did a television play with her. So I started off, you know, I, I started off very well. And, and I must say my, my 20s went absolutely according to plan, except I did no theater. I did only television and film. Um, I, did, I did a tiny bit of theater. I did one West End show, which only lasted a week. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we can count that. And, but most actors in those days, you had to do repertory theater. So nearly all of my contemporaries have done two or three years in, in rep, have traveled all over England, all over the world doing theater. I didn't do that. I went straight into film. Um, and it's something I regret. Um, having said that, I am very comfortable in front of a camera and put me on a stage and I'm just terrified, but I do it. But I can't say I, can't say I really enjoy it. I, at, the, at the end of the performance, I enjoy that bit, but the actual, the actual the whole business of being on a stage in front of an audience is deeply intimidating to me. Now, would you say that getting into acting in England is a lot different than getting into acting in America? 
Well, nowadays it's changed a little bit, but when I got into it, um, as I said, you, you, you had to be in the union. You had to be in equity, uh, the theatrical the theater uh, union, and you could only be in equity if you had been in repertory theater for so many weeks. I can't remember what it was, something like 22 weeks. But you couldn't get into repertory theater unless you were in the union. So it was a completely closed shop. So it was very, very difficult um, to get into a union. Now that's all gone. We still have the union. I still pay my dues, but they, do not, they don't do stuff for us. And anybody now, rather like, um, rather like in Hollywood, really, anybody can get a break. Anybody can be an actor tomorrow. And, and one of the things that we really, I, I find quite uh, not shocking, but I mean, uh, just very indicative of today's world, we didn't have the terminology celebrity back then. Um, I, I don't remember uh, anybody wanting to be a movie star because you just wanted to be, in England, you just wanted to be a good actor. Mm -hmm. And um, the idea of being a movie star was really, I don't think that even existed. But you certainly didn't want to be a celebrity. And nowadays, I hear kids and actors, and I meet them all the time in, in, in Hollywood, who just, you know, they kind of, young people are sort of caught up on that whole idea of the celebrity and the idea of, of being, you know, being somebody. Um, one of the joys of London way back when was that you would, and in fact, I can actually back this up with a story, and there's a wonderful, wonderful actor called David Warner, who is very well known in England and uh, very well known all over the world, actually, and he was one of our finest Shakespearean actors, and I was with him three or four weeks ago, and I was telling him how I was going to go and see David Tennant, who is, of course, uh, the Doctor Who that everybody loved. David Tennant um, was opening in Richard II at Stratford, and I was going to be there, and David Warner was saying to me, he said, they'll all be standing up out of their seats, um, shouting, you know, hooray, an encore and everything. And he said, do you know, in my day, he said, I saw Laurence Olivier, Charles Lawton, Paul Schofield. He said, there was, nobody got up out of their seats. You know, the, the British were very low key. And he said, you could walk in the streets and you would sit on the train and you might just see Laurence Olivier, but you would no more go up to him. You would no more approach him. And now, here we have somebody like poor David Tennant doing Shakespeare, and they're having to have barricades outside the stage door. Um, yes, it's great that the kids are going to see Shakespeare because it's Doctor Who in Shakespeare, yeah. but, but on the other hand, uh, it's, it's a, just a different, it's a different sensibility. And, uh, of course, the first night I went, everybody was up out of their seats, and probably rightly so, but we're still a little bit reserved in England, so when somebody gets up in front of you and goes, Encore, you can be sure it's an American, and it, and it is, and then you have to get up because you can't see. Uh, it's, it's a new thing, but, yeah. but, but it, things are changing um, in terms of, um, I think, just appreciation of, of, of actors. I think we are we're getting very caught up in, in the celebrity business, um, and I, I'm still, I mean, my most famous, I adore her, Judi Dench, who I watched at Stratford over the years, and, and her lovely husband, Michael, um, I watched them in the early years in Stratford, and then she would do different televisions, and, you know, she didn't really, a lot, and Helen Mirren's the same, wasn't really known, I mean, she was, they were both of them going for years before they were discovered by the American audience, and I think they were discovered because of uh, PBS, I think I'm probably yeah. right there. Yes, I, agree. I mean, certainly Helen Mirren was, was, had been doing lots of movies and lots of things, and, and then it was Prime Suspect. Prime Suspect, um, yes. And, of course, Helen was in the year above me in the National Youth Theatre, so I, I grew up watching her. Um, these are people, and, and this is the great thing about England, they did everything. Um, you know, when we're in London, I'm able, I, right now, 
Um, I finished a film about three weeks ago. I'm going back to London on Tuesday. I'm going into Disney this week to do some voice work. I'm able to do radio. I'm, I'm able to do a, a animated. I'm able to do theatre. I'm able to do TV. Everything. We do everything in England because it's small and, and we all want to work. And the idea that you don't do something because it's not big enough doesn't really exist. Uh, consequently, I have credits that, you know, I mean, I crawl sometimes. I mean, yesterday I had a couple of guys coming up and say, oh, my God, you were in Night of the Living Dead part, whatever. And I said, yes, I know I was. I know. But you know what? I had a good time doing it, and it wasn't so bad. And, that, and you're an actor. And I'm you're, an actor. And acting. that's what in England, and Judy Dench, you will see in the past, you'll see her popping up in all sorts of things, as did Helen Mirren, because we are encouraged to act and practice our craft. David Warner. I recently did a radio thing with him, and you know, you don't really get paid anything for radio, but you're doing a play and you're having a good time. And I made some reference to the fact that she, it was the second or third time I'd seen him in a, in a, in a radio studio. And he said, he said, yes, but he said, I, I want to work. He said, I'd rather be coming in here for an afternoon and being with other actors. And that doesn't happen in L.A., having lived in Los Angeles since 83. You know, the minute your career starts taking off, they start, um, you know, your agent starts saying, you mustn't do that, you can't do that. Yeah. I, I was just back in L.A. five weeks ago with a young actor was telling me that they had been offered something fabulous, except it wasn't fabulous because uh, he, he didn't have enough lines, uh, but he was working opposite, you know, this fabulous, well, I can, oh, there goes that delicious cake, I see that. You better keep me a slice. Will you promise me? Thank you. Sorry about that. I have to get our priorities right. I'm not an L.A. girl. You know, I like my cake um, and I want to eat it. Um, yeah, so he, what were we just saying about the, um, yeah, uh, uh, we're talking about L.A. and, oh, this young actor. And he was just saying, he said, but I don't, you know, it's not really much of a role. He said, I'm working opposite this fabulous actor and it's brilliant director and it's this and that. He said, but, you know, I don't really get, you know, I haven't really got many lines and, I said, but you know what, you've just, you've just, he's in a TV show, which isn't that great, but it's a break for him, he's an English actor, and it won't last for forever, and I said, grab it, you have to grab everything you can, because that's how you learn, and the bottom line is, here I am, 30 years after Superman, I mean, Superman was obviously a wonderful role, but all of these people, they've all seen everything, and they want to talk about everything, and they don't say, you only did a couple of days' work on that movie, or you they're just happy because they saw you in this and they saw you in that. And it, it's, it's not creating a myth, but it's, it's keeping your name out there and it's keeping you alive. And as you said, I'm an actress. That's right. That's, that's what you want to do and that's what you have to do. Yeah, that's right. And as you notice, I talk a lot as well. <laughs> it's very interesting. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But like you say, the actors today, the new young, and I'm talking the young actors, they are, I don't think they've learned the craft like you do uh, in the past, and they, they're, a lot of them are being discovered on the internet, and they just aren't the quality that, that, that you are, well, <laughs> or others, uh, you know. Well, thank you. I, uh, I, I, th I do think that 
you know, I mean, I had three serious years, years of drama school. Um, you know, you go out to L.A., and yes, they're going to an acting class and here and there. And, and you know, I mean, not to knock because there's some wonderful acting no, coaches. Yes, but agree. we're there nine to five, five days a week, covering every aspect. I can't honestly say that my six basic Greek arm line movements have ever been useful to me. But I can do the six basic Greek arm line movements, you know, because I learned them at drama school. And, um, and I also think that uh, in the National Youth Theatre, one of the things that taught me was, was, was punctuality. And, uh, again, theatre, which a lot of them haven't done. You can't be late for theatre. I mean, you, that, you, That's right. it doesn't happen. <laughs> now, one of the things I know in New York, it's been known, curtains have been held. The curtain is not held in England. You are not there for 7.30 and the curtain goes up. That's it. You're not allowed in. Even Prince Charles, and I saw Prince Charles in the Stratford Theatre being held in the wings, I'm not in the wings, in the, in the side, because he was late for a performance. We didn't really? hold it up. He came in. Yep, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Anthony and Cleopatra, and I remember it very well because he clambered over our legs because he just sits. He comes a lot because he's a patron of the theatre, but he was with Camilla, but he was late. But they didn't hold it up. Um, and the point of it is we... When I was about 14, I was late for the National Youth Theatre rehearsal, and I was made to stand on a stage and apologize to the cast and crew for being late. And to this day, I'm early for everything, way too early. Or if I'm, you know, if I'm run over by a bus, I'm going to call and say, I'm under a bus, I'm going to be late. It's, it's, it's stuff like that, that you're trained and you're steeped in that sort of tradition. Um, I meet kids out in L.A. now, and they haven't got the first idea of... Mm -hmm. of, of of punctuality, of, of working with a team, of working with a group. Um, and again, um, one of the great things about the BBC in my day was that you used to work, if you were doing a BBC show, you would go in on the first day as a, as a company and sit around a great big table with the production manager, the designer, and all the different factions, and the cast, and you would read the, the script. Yep. And you kind of got a sense of who everybody was and what everybody was doing. Well, nowadays, of course, they've cut all of that out. You go in on your day, you, you know, you're, you, you're working Tuesdays and Fridays, you, you go in, you barely rehearse, you do your stuff, and then you go home. And often you don't even meet the rest of the people in the cast. So that's a great shame. So that's yeah. something that theatre will, you know, theatre, working with other people is... Yeah. And is being so on time is really just a matter of respect. Absolutely. I, I have to say um, that I was on Falcon Crest for a couple of years, and the late, great Jane Wyman, I... I she was a old school Hollywood and a real taskmaster and I watched her give a withering look and have a quick word with a young actress who arrived very late yet again for, for the morning because Jane would only work for a few hours she was getting quite old when we did it but this girl arrived and had no concept of time and, and Jane just sort of pulled herself up and we all thought oh boy anyway she never did it again a little word from Miss Wyman and that young actress mind you I've never seen her again so there you go Superman Superman. How did you get the part on Superman? Well, Superman was, um, uh, I was already uh, relative, I was about 26, 27, and I was already, I had got a good six or seven years. My career was going terribly well in England. I mean, I was already doing very well, and I'd done my first sort of um, American film, a lead role in an American film, which was for people that time forgot, which was for American International. And I, I was getting known, and, and certainly getting noticed, and I was away shooting this film in the Canary Islands, wasn't aware of Superman, wasn't aware of what was going on because I was, you know, it was, we didn't have cell phones in those days. I was away on the volcanic island with a cardboard dinosaur and Doug McClaw. Uh, I remember it terribly well. Um, bless him, another one who's no longer with us. But anyhow, um, 
And I was told about this audition, and I didn't even know about Superman. I mean, you, you, I, I have to let your listeners know that Superman, we know who Superman is, but it's not the same culture in England. Superman doesn't have that. He does a little bit more now, but certainly back in the 70s, you know, people were like, okay, we know who Superman is, but, you know, so. So I was not overly impressed. What I was impressed to, when I heard that Marlon Brando was going to be in it because that was just about the most exciting thing. And then Gene Hackman, I was just, because mm. I was a major French Connection fan. And, and so I, um, it's quite a well-known story. I was working on another film, so I was rather full of my own self-importance because there was nothing else going on in England at the time. And I was one of the few actresses working. And um, consequently, I was on it, I was unable to do a screen test because I was filming and the producers weren't going to spend money in an evening to shoot me. So I'm... There's no screen test of me. I didn't test. But what I did have was eight separate appointments to meet the director. And he was at Shepparton Studios, and I was at Pinewood Studios. Anyway, I was filming at Pinewood, uh, I was filming at Pinewood Studios. The, the director, Richard Donner, was at Shepparton Studios, and eight times we arranged an appointment in the evening, and I finished my day's work, and I prepared to go, and they canceled me. Um, and eight times I got more and more ticked off by it. And on the eighth time, the casting director phoned me up and said, I'm really sorry, it's been cancelled again, something's happened. And I was, you know, who do you think you are? You know, come over here from America. And she said, look, she said, really, Sarah, it's a wonderful casting lady. Another lady is no longer with us, Mary Selway. And Mary said, this is really worthwhile. You're, it's right up your street. I had no idea what the character was. I didn't know anything about it. But she said, stick with it, come the ninth time. So the ninth time I went, and I was kept waiting for about 40 minutes, and it was 8 o'clock at night. I'd been working since early, early hours of the morning, and I was really cranky, and I was in a bad mood. And this director came in with his longish hair and his blue-tinted glasses and a great big cigar, the epitome of a Hollywood director. And from my understanding, I kind of let him have it, as only a 27-year-old girl who feels that she, the world is her oyster. And I sort of let him be known that I was a busy actress and I just didn't need this. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. And what I didn't know, he was looking for a, a rather overconfident, difficult, stroppy, bit of a bitch <laughs> character. And that was the start of it. I then had to go on for other interviews and a flying test, but uh, that was the initial... That was the initial thing. Yeah. Well, um, I want to finish up with two quick questions. Mm -hmm. Favorite TV show of all time and your favorite movie of all time? Well, at this moment, I'm totally obsessed with Breaking Bad. Oh, yes. I am so in love with it. And I have to just say, I, I had tears in my eyes when I read Sir Anthony Hopkins' letter to, I'm sorry, what is the Brian name? Brian Cranston. Okay. I read the most wonderful letter that Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins wrote to Brian Cranston. Cranston. That's Cranston. Um, a fan letter, which was published in our London newspaper, where he wrote to him, because he had just done what I did, which was a, a total uh, orgy of, bad, of Breaking Bad, because we don't have it on television, so he'd got the box sets, hundreds of them. And I was so, I, I just thought, what a, what a wonderful thing to receive a letter from somebody like Anthony Hopkins, where he was just saying, what a stunning performance, and, and also complimenting the rest of the cast. So that is my very favorite thing at the moment. Um, it's difficult to come up with, um, it's difficult to really say if there's any other telly, because I, I flip around, but at the moment it's very, very much Breaking Bad. Um, I am, as far as my favorite film goes, oh my, that's, that's, that's really difficult. Um, I, I'm trying to think what I've got on my, on my shelf that I, 
you know, I'm trying to think of the films that I went out and I bought so that I can keep them forever yep. and ever. Yeah. Um, of course, my mind goes an absolute blank right now. I mean, I'm a, I'm rather I, I'm rather a romantic, um, and so I, I I don't you know I don't watch science fiction films. I don't watch fantasy films. I like a, a really a really good story. Um, I'm let me just think about this a minute. Let me just think. What? See, I, I, God, heavens above. I, I'm still like Cinema Paradiso. That sort of thing is, mm -hmm. is something that just completely captured my imagination, which I've got on my shelf. And I'm, I am one of the greatest honors to me is I'm a member of the Academy, the American Motion Picture Academy. So I vote for the Oscars. Yep. So I have hundreds of films. I mean, I have so many films, I don't know what to do. But I am, um, you know, I definitely, I favor, I, I favor small, wonderfully crafted films. And at the moment, I, I'm going to have to just stick with Cinema Paradiso because I can't think. There was oh, the one, the poet. What was the one, that Naruto, um, Naruto, about the poet that I absolutely adored? And this is another foreign film. Can't think of any. <laughs> My mind's gone a blank, guys, but, but suffice to say, I might come back with one in a little while. All right. Well, Sarah, on Superman, you are so mean, but you have been so lovely here today with us, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you very much. And if I can think of a favorite film, can I come back? Sure, can. Okay, good. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Thanks go out to Sarah Douglas for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. Always a pleasure to hear their stories, and uh, Sarah is such a great guest. And I thank her for taking the time and sharing with us. And let's see, what else do we got going on? It's the end of the year, uh, or you may be listening to this at the beginning of the year. I'm not sure which, you know, it depends how quickly you download these things. But uh, we do appreciate that all of you have been listening to On Screen and Beyond, uh, just so many people. And, and I also wanted to, oh, I forgot to mention last week, I just wanted to mention that I got a lot of nice holiday wishes from people sending me emails saying Merry Christmas and, and, and all that stuff, Happy New Year. And, and uh, I really do appreciate that. That's very nice of you. And I've uh, tried to get back to everybody who sent uh, a little note. And I, uh, once again, if I didn't get to you or if uh, you, you didn't uh, send anything, I just want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and also a very Happy New Year. And I hope you're going to have a great New Year coming. And I uh, hope you're going to keep listening to On Screen and Beyond because we got some great guests coming your way. And uh, I need your help if you want to send me a suggestion. For a guest, always a big help for us. So uh, send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about getting that person on. Well, that is about it. That's a wrap for this episode, the final episode of 2013. And we move into the 2014 episodes next week. And we got a fascinating guest coming your way. So I hope you're going to be joining us when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.